0: I, I got several uh, kind of confirmations about this word I'm about to give you tonight. Um, and so, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to, to Jonah, Old Testament. He's a minor prophet, not because he was short, just because of the length of the book, okay? I want you to turn to Jonah, but I also want you to also save a place in Luke chapter 8. And um, I actually had a conversation with the Lord about this message and the timing of this message, because um, I kind of thought, Lord, this is a little hokey. I said, you know, you know, Jonah, there's a storm. I said, and we're just like in the middle of this whole storm thing. Can I just like? Not do this, like not look like that guy who's trying to talk about a storm when there's a storm going on. And the Lord just kind of leaned on me again and leaned on me again. And uh, and so I'm sharing uh, a message with you tonight, um, not not because of a physical storm, but because I want to speak to you about um, two boats, two storms, and one purpose. Two boats, two storms, and one purpose. And we're going to just take a quick look into this, and I believe that God is going to breathe life into every single person here. Every person here, this message applies to you. So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, this message is for me. Okay, okay, uh, yeah, all right, all right, see, you thought you were about to really tell them, you know, it's really for you, all right. Don't ever be that person who's sitting in church and you start to hear the message and you say, oh, I wish so-and-so was here, because <laughs> you're going to miss what God's trying to say to you, because you are there. And so, we're going uh, to look at this, and many of you uh, uh, probably heard about Jonah, you know, especially if you're like my age. We're going to take Jonah down off the flannel graph if we can, okay? Anybody remember flannel graph? Stick little Jonah up there and then there'd be a little whale, you know, and so we're going to look at this story tonight and I believe God's going to speak by his spirit to us, which is the most important thing tonight. It is the most important thing that you hear from God. I believe God has a message for you, for every single person. So we're going to look at Jonah 1 and Luke chapter 8, which is going to begin in verse 22. You can follow along on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you, but Follow along with us. Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw cargo into the sea, trying to lighten ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, and where he lay down, and fell into a deep sleep. And the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots and find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? <laughs> Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? In parentheses, they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for killing this man, <laughs> for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, for, for, uh, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him, which is dangerous on a wooden boat because a sacrifice requires fire. <laughs> Just saying. Verse 17 Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Luke chapter 8, verse 22 is a story of Jesus on a boat along with his disciples. It says, One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got in the boat and set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, master, we're going to drown. He got up, and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Now, in this story, there are two men. Well, a man, Jonah, the son of man, son of God, Jesus. And we're going to look at these two stories and find out what God wants to speak to all of us here tonight. And um, I, I'm just going to point out some things from both stories kind of simultaneously so, so you can find yourself in this story. And I, wanna, I just want to let all of you know, you're either Jonah You're Jesus, or you might be just hanging out with Jesus. But you're on one of these two boats here tonight. So we're going to take a quick look at this story. First, I want you to look with me at Jonah's boat. It says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Here is a boat that Jonah is running away from God in. He finds a boat headed away from God. Anybody ever been on a boat that was headed away from God? God ever tell you something you didn't want to do? Come on, I know some of you folks will be honest with me. Others of you will just look at me like I'm crazy. No, there are things sometimes God speaks to us and we're just like, well, I'm not sure I want to do that. And we're probably a lot like Jonah. Matter of fact, if you're here tonight and you find yourself away from God, you're just like Jonah. You're just like Jonah. There's these two boats, these two vessels. Jesus' boat was a little bit different. He said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got in the boat and they set out. Two boats. Here's what I want you to know. You should write this down. There will always be a vessel pointed in the direction of your yes. Yes. There will always be a boat ready for your yes. If your yes is to running from God, you'll find that boat. Matter of fact, that boat will sometimes find you. Man, when I was in youth ministry, it seemed like, like there were the, some girls had the worst luck. Like there was something on them. I don't know, it's something invisible, a magnetic force that, that drew every bum from within 50 miles to their life. Matter of fact, I would stand at the last day of camps. They've had these deep encounters with God. I would wave my arms and I would say, This, he's coming! Please, he's coming! They were like, What are you talking about? The guy you have had a crush on forever, the guy every other girl likes, the guy who right now is not living for God and that you would compromise to be in a relationship with. That guy is coming. Don't get on the boat. Because that boat is pointed away from the will of God. There is always a boat ready to carry you away from the will of God. But I want to say to you this also there's also a boat that's ready to carry you into God's purpose, ready to carry you into God's destiny. That boat, Jesus is just a, hey, here's a boat. Let's go to the other side. Let's go to the other side. There's a boat waiting. Some of you are wondering, can I walk in the purpose of God? God is crafting a vessel for you to walk in his destiny for your life. That boat is waiting on one thing. your yes to God. You're yes to God. And those vessels are there. One crafted by the enemy. One crafted by a creator. And I want to tell you tonight, there's one boat you belong in. It's the boat that, you, that Jesus is getting in. It's the boat that the master would be sleeping in. But the truth be told is that many times what we find is that we get in the flesh just like Jonah did. And we just when we walk in the flesh, you'll end up in the wrong boat. You will. As soon as you step out of the spirit, as soon as you step in the flesh, wrong boat. As soon as you try to reason things out in the kingdom. Anybody ever been, you know, you, you see... Uh, you know, maybe you've been serving God for 10, 12 years, 15 years. You've been asking God for miracles. You're like, man, I want to see miracles. I want to see, I want to see you do something. And some guy comes in off the street. He's got the worst past. He has everything wrong in his life. And then he gets saved. And three days later, that guy's like raising the dead. And you're like, huh, well, that's just not fair. Well, I got good news for you. I heard from T.D. Jakes, favor is not fair. And all of us have received grace, and grace is God's undeserved favor, and none of us deserved an ounce of it. When we get into the flesh, it always leads to the wrong boat. Jonah got into the flesh, and he went down to Joppa. That's what he did. He went down to Joppa. When you get in the flesh, you always go down. Matter of fact, if you read it, I believe it's in the King James, it says that he went, not only did he go down to Joppa, he also went down in the ship. And then he was sailing to Tarshish, which is south. <laughs> down. Walking in the flesh. you'll find a vessel. That'll carry you, but it's only going to carry you down. It's not going to lift you up in the spirit. I'm telling you, there is a boat waiting on you that God has crafted for you. But you've got to say yes to that Boat that will always be pointed in the direction of your yes. Jonah's vessel was compromised, and compromise always costs you something. Notice, it says that when he went to the boat, what did it say? He paid the fare. Compromise and living in the flesh, man, it costs you something. Anybody ever been there before? I have. Ah. Oh. Wish I hadn't have said that. Wish I hadn't have done that. Oh, it cost me something. Most of the time, it, it, I, had to, I had to come back to people. I had to go and apologize to people. I had to go in, and, and say, you know what? I am so sorry for walking in the flesh. But I want to tell you, when you live in the spirit, there is a, there is a vessel Pointed in the direction of your yes to God. One boat's name compromise. Jesus' vessel, that name was obedience. And it carried him into divine assignment. Listen, there is nothing that will replace us just doing what God has said to do. Stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to make your own version of, of Christianity. Stop saying, oh, I'm a Christian, but... I used to to go to this all-black church called New Jerusalem Missionary Baptist Church. It was amazing to be a minority, especially on Sunday. I was the only white guy in there. I'm like, yeah! I loved that church. It was so good. I loved those people. They were incredible. But I met some people in that church that just kind of surprised me. They surprised me. They really went to church. Like, we went next door to eat chicken, and some of the stuff I heard coming out of their mouth, I was like, ooh, don't say that in front of your mama. What is wrong with you? And this is what she said to me. Oh, well, I'm not that saved. Oh, I'm like, ooh. I'm going to get away from you. I ain't eating your chicken. I don't know where you're going, but I'm going to stay away. I was like, wow. You know, we don't say those things, but sometimes we make agreements like that. And, and here's, here's what I, I feel like the Spirit of God is just saying to us. You know, obedience just needs to be simple. And the things that God calls us to, you won't always understand. But if you'll say yes, that vessel will carry you into your destiny. Don't try to make sense of it. Don't try to figure it out. I've seen this happen so many times. I've seen people like, man, they're just on the cusp of something, and they compromise in some way. You know, I brought up that, that aspect of relationships. This has been one of the things that has derailed so many young women Man, they are, they're going after God, and then they meet somebody and decide to go on a missionary date. Yikes. Somebody created a lane that's not scriptural and said, somehow this is going to work out for me. It's not. doesn't work out. If God has grace and turns that thing around, amen. You wanna tell the miraculous story about how God raised him from the dead after you guys were you know, in a relationship, amen. That's just not God's plan. God says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Don't do it. Don't get in those relationships. Don't do it. Well, what are we trying to do? What do we do? We're crafting our own vessel. And we're sa- instead of getting in the vessel uh, that leads to obedience, we're compromising. And what are we doing? We're, do- we're just like Jonah. And what do we find out? A storm's coming. And then we ask, why isn't all this working out? Got in the wrong boat. Got in the wrong boat. There's two boats. One's called obedience and the other is called compromise. And probably everybody in here has been in one of the other boat at one of the other times. And tonight, I believe you're in one of those boats. But then in these stories, there's also two storms. And Jonah's storm was amazing. It says, Then the the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up, and all the sailors were afraid and cried out to his own God. They threw the cargo over. Jonah had gone below deck, and where he lay down, he fell into a deep sleep. I actually... I I really was meditating on this, and I thought to myself, you know, the most depressing thing in the world is to once know God, walk in the will of God, and walk away from it. I thought to myself, how could Jonah be in a deep sleep? And I felt like the Lord gave me a medical answer. It was because he was depressed. He had gotten into despair. And when you get into despair All you want to do is tune out reality. And he did it in a deep sleep, trying to ignore the storm. And the scripture says, the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. I believe Jonah's storm had a name. Jonah's storm had a name, and the name of that storm was mercy. It was mercy. Many times, we don't think of storms as being mercy, but I know this storm had a name like mercy. Because why didn't he just get cooked on the boat? One lightning bolt. Jonah's done. I mean, if I'm God, I'm just like going to, I'm done with this. Not only, not, not only have you gone down to Joppa and you got on a boat, you gave away some of the money that I gave you to someone else to carry you farther away from my will. I'm just cooking you in front of everybody. That's why I know this storm had to be called mercy. God in his mercy sent a storm to break up the boat of compromise in Jonah's life. And this is is the truth. Jonah was asleep in a storm of mercy. And a voice came to wake him up. And I want to tell you here tonight, if your heart's not burning for God and you're not walking with God, God sent a voice. There's a storm in your life that's blowing right now, and that storm is not the devil. It's the goodness of God swirling around you to point you back in the path of his grace and mercy, and he has sent a voice tonight to say, get up and call on God, and will he not hear you and save us? You're in a storm called mercy. Stop trying to run from that storm. That storm is going to outrun you. How do I know that? Because David said, if I make my bed in hell, I find you there. If I'm in the highest heights, you're there. God, everywhere I go, there you are. And so if you're trying to run from God, you used to have a relationship with God, and you're in a boat called compromise, good news. The storm you're in is trying to get you back into his will for your life. It's a storm called mercy. The worst thing you could do is slumber when the winds of mercy are blowing. But I believe that's actually what's happening in the church today. That uh, over and over we go and we sit in services and we wonder, oh God, would you just take care of this problem? No, I'm not going to obey. No, I'm not going to do what the scriptures actually say to do. But would you just fix my life? Make me a little more comfortable. But i got good news. The wind's going to keep blowing. It's going to be cat five here in a moment. full of mercy it's a storm of mercy and then you you may not be in church when a voice shows up and wakes you up and says what are you doing sleeping in the midst of this storm and God in his goodness I believe is actually calling out to people in this room tonight now here's here's the good news too The same people who welcome your compromise will be the very ones who become angry when your compromise affects them. Uh, You think that they're not going to figure out that you're actually a Christian walking in compromise? Teenagers, where you at? I'm sorry. If your parents are Christians, you're about to be caught. And all your unsaved friends, they're going to be in trouble. And let me just let you know what they're going to do. When they get in trouble because of you, they're throwing you off their boat. See, why doesn't anyone want to be friends with me? Here's why. Because there's winds of mercy blowing over your life. There's winds of mercy blowing. And it's about to sink their ship. Now, I like what happens in this story. All the guys on the boat says, enough of these false gods. Get get the false gods off the boat. We're lightening the boat, getting all the idolatry off to the point where they say, all right, God, you're the God. We're going to set a fire on our boat and sacrifice to you on the boat and still throw you off. (laughs) You may come into revival. Your friends may come into revival. They're still not going to hang out with you because they'll never trust you. Why? Because the winds of mercy are blowing. You can't figure out why relationships are so tangled and messed up. It's because they said, what have you done? And remember, they knew he was running from God. Everybody around you knows when you're walking in compromise. Everybody can kind of tell. They already knew. But when it came down to like... Uh, their life or or Jonah's, they just said, all right, get off the boat. Now, Jesus' storm was much different. And I believe some of you are in this storm. It says, as they sailed, he fell asleep. Both of them sleeping. A squall came down on the lake so the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him and said, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up, rebuked the wind and the raging waters, and the storm subsided and all was calm. Jonah was in a storm called mercy. Jesus was in a storm called opposition. This is a word for some followers of Jesus in here. Jesus was in a storm called opposition. Damon Thompson said this many years ago. I love this quote. It says, opposition is a prophetic indicator of your potential. When you are walking in the purposes of God, if you, if you expect blue skies and the world to applaud as you live out loud for Jesus and you see the sick healed, the lepers uh, healed, you, you see the deaf begin to hear, you know, if you think the world is going to applaud, you have got another thing coming if you think the devil is just going to lay down when your heart really begins to burn for God, when you wake up in the morning with a song in your heart, and you're like, oh God, I'm worshiping you. I'm looking for you today, God. I'm looking for where you want to move. I'm thinking about you. If you think that in that vessel of obedience that there isn't a storm, you've got another thing coming. There is a storm coming. You have got an enemy that is relentless. He is good at his job. The only thing is he is a defeated foe and we need to get the the scripture in us that says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world I've got a greater one in this boat with me now they had questions and you're allowed to have questions when the boat's being swamped everybody's soaking wet and Jesus is sleeping through this how's he sleeping (laughs) because when you're In a boat called obedience, and you're going through opposition, you still know God has you in His hand. I want you to look at 1 Peter 5. We're going to read a few verses. I don't want you to watch what God does in the midst of opposition. He says this to us. He says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. And listen, this is so good. It'll make you want to run if you're charismatic. Come on and and the god of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. I want, to, I want you to, for those who are contending for the will of God in their life, who says, man, I'm going in this boat. The storm's blowing against me. Everything's coming against me. After you suffered a little while, good news. God's about to make you strong. He's about to make you stand firm. Nothing is going to move you. What do you do? I'm going to be sober. I'm going to be alert. I'm going to be aware that there is a lion seeking whom he may devour. But when the lion comes roaring, you just release the scripture. You release the word of God to him. No matter what that storm looks like, and here's what God says, I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to strengthen you. Some of us have believed the lie the, that we've let the, the devil in the boat and we let him talk to us. And he just asks questions. We're in the storm. We're like, man, I thought I was in the will of God and everything seems to be pushing against me. And, and, and the devil just whispers in your ear, do you, do you think God's going to come through for you? Did he really stay with you? Is he really never going? Come on, preach, girl. High five. Come on. That's my girl in the back. Come on. love you. I don't even know your name. We'll meet later. God himself will make you strong, firm, and stand fast when you decide to take a stand for Christ. Jesus was sleeping too but he was resting in the faithfulness of God to bring him into his purpose. So when you experience the opposition, you have to know God's taking me through. This is not my destination. The lake and this storm is not my destination. I've got a yes in my heart. God, I've surrendered my life. I'm trying to kill this flesh that tries to wake up every day. I'm crucifying it daily. I'm taking up my cross. I'm following you. So what can I do in this boat sleep as the psalm says feed on his faithfulness his, God's faithfulness is like Thanksgiving meal you just fill up on it and you want to take a good nap Jesus is proof of that in Luke 8 he just takes you into such rest and such fullness it's like God thank you and in the midst of the storm blowing, you're taking me into my purpose. The final point uh, I, I want you to notice is that both men had one purpose. Both had one purpose. And it's actually the same as ours. And you can write this down. Our one purpose is to glorify God through a transformed life of obedience. Now Listen. The way they got there was a different path. The way they got there was much different. Jonah had to be humbled to walk in the purpose of God. I love what verse 17 says. It says, now the Lord provided a fish. It it, it doesn't even say this. And the Lord sent a big fish. Like he was a little angry. It actually says, and the Lord provided. Because the very thing necessary to carry Jonah into a place of humility and into his purpose, God always provides. He always provides. And listen, he had to be humbled It was external pressure that carried really external pressure. This is no five-star fish. He's in the belly of a whale, a fish for three days. But notice his prayer in Jonah chapter 2. And his heart changed. He says, Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. I will make good. I will say, Salvation comes from the Lord. Do you notice? What I have vowed, I will make good. It says, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah out onto dry land. One day, God's gonna let me preach a message called Vomit and the Will of God. Not tonight. Vomit and the Will of God, okay? Maybe it'll be at a youth conference. So, I'm not sure. But I love that God provided whatever was necessary to get his heart into a place that says, God whatever I promised to you in those early moments of commitment to you, God, I will make good on those things. And I want every person here to go back to those initial moments. Maybe you're in the other boat of obedience. I still want you to go back into those initial moments where you uttered these words. I'm sure you did. God, I'll go anywhere. God, I'll say anything. God, I'll give anything in light of what you You've done for me. And that is what Jonah ended up doing after God provided the right vessel to carry him into his purpose. Jonah, humbled in the belly of the whale, said this. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will live out my commitment to you, Lord. Now listen, his obedience led to an entire city being saved. In Jonah 3, it says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, go to the great city Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Oh, I bet he was wishing that this was chapter one. And verse 10 says, when God saw after they had repented and after they responded to the message and the king and all of the place was fasting and and they were fasting food and, and fasting water, all of them. This is what God did. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them destruction that he had threatened. When he went carrying the message that God's judgment was coming, the entire city came into repentance. Not only did they put on sackcloth and ashes, which is the external sign of repentance, they actually turned from their evil ways. Whole city was saved when Jonah got humbled. Look at the difference between Jonah and Jesus. Jonah had to be humbled. And Jesus humbled himself. A real key to staying in God's divine purpose for your life is humbling yourself. I'll give you a little, just a little disciple moment. So when the church calls a couple of corporate fasts a year. It's so you don't end up in a fish. It's so I don't end up in a fish. Because humility and fasting go right hand in hand. And it's when, when we say, God, I'm going to become weak so you can make, show yourself to be strong. It's in those moments that we are humbling ourselves under his hand. And This is what Jesus did from the very beginning. And Philippians 2 tells us all about that. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not, consider equality with god something to be used for his own advantage or grasped rather he made himself uh, nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself Becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want you to see this. Jesus humbled himself. And he didn't just save a city. He ended up saving the world. I'm telling you, if you want God to expand your influence and get you into the place where you can be used mightily for God to fulfill His plan for your life, get into the place of humility where you humble yourself before God, where you take a low place, where you're not looking to make your name famous, where you're not trying to to promote your cause. You are simply trying to lift His cause. I love what David said Is there not a cause? There is a cause to live for. It's just not ours. It doesn't originate with us, with our reputation, our desires. It starts with him. Matter of fact, when we were buried with him in baptism the one who came up out of the water took a new name. His name is Jesus. We hid ourselves in Him. And so what do we need to do as a church? We need to say, if you're on the boat and you're facing opposition, here's what, I'm do, uh, here's what I do. I humble myself. I just get low. Don't, in a moment of a, this is a word for somebody in the house and not in the notes. In a storm, you do not rely on human wisdom. In a spiritual storm, you don't rely on human wisdom. You need God to speak to you. You need some authority and something to shift in the spirit. When Jesus spoke to the storm, the storm ceased. It was an authority. It was a spiritual opposition. You say, what was it opposing? If you just keep reading in Luke chapter 8, it's a story about a man who is possessed with a legion of demons. Some of you call him the demoniac. And Jesus goes, this demoniac comes and runs and worships at the feet of Jesus. And he says, have you come to torment us before our time? He begins to even declare who Jesus was. He's worshiping Jesus at a level that other people around Jesus are not worshiping. He says, permit us to go into this this herd of pigs. Jesus said, let it be so. The pigs go out. This man all of a sudden gets touched by God. He gets delivered. He is no longer in chains. He's no longer naked and cutting himself and in bondage. He gets set free. Uh, And they, they go to leave and get back in the boat. The demoniac, he says, I'm coming with you. I'm coming. I'm set free. And you know what Jesus said? No, you're not. Uh Uh-uh. The storm that just came against us was about you. You say, how do you know that? Here's why. He said, you go and you tell your family and friends and everyone in the region what God has done for you. And this is what the scripture says. It says, and he went and began to preach in decapolis decapolis in greek means 10 cities what was the storm about the storm was about getting one man free so 10 cities could be set free one storm carried one man to one city one storm tried to prevent jesus from getting to the gathering the one that was possessed why cuz god was thinking about 10 cities Your opposition isn't about you. Don't take it so personal. It's about Jesus in you. The devil's trying to stop Jesus in you. And he can't do it. He's lost. He's a defeated foe. But what do we have to do? We have to stand firm. We've got to say, I'm taking this ground. I don't care how hard the wind blows. The opposition comes. I don't care who stays, who goes. I'm coming after your will, God. Why? There's cities on the line. There's cities on the line. And if you're running from God here tonight, God's not just thinking about you. He is thinking about you. He wants you to be near. That's why he calls us, to be near us. But he's also thinking about the people he wants to reach through you. He's thinking about them. You say, why am I going through this? I said yes to God. Why is the storm so fierce? It's always about the harvest. It's always about, you know, God always, and you're going to hear this on Sunday. Many times, what God carries us through is not just about the destiny. He led us, he led Philip to the desert for destiny. He led Jesus to the desert for development. And many times, the storm is about showing how big your God is inside of you. Your God is awesome. Your God is awesome. You say, God's awesome. I'm not sure I can take it. Just get a little more of God. A little more of him. A little more of that perspective. Rather than saying, you know what? I'm just going to feast on my circumstances. Why don't you feast on God's word? Why don't you feast on his presence? Why don't you allow him to to carry you into his destiny regardless of the storm? I want to kind of marry all of this together. As I was uh, studying these passages, I couldn't help but think of one statement when the Pharisees, the scribes, the leaders, the teachers are all going, show us a sign, Jesus. And you know what he says to them? No sign will be given to you except The sign of the prophet Jonah. Do you hear what he did? He took the guy who was running away from him. The guy who was backsliding. The guy who was going the opposite direction direction of God's purpose for his life. And Jesus forever attached his name to his ministry. Can I just say this to you? Jesus isn't afraid of where you are. So much so that he, he would say the sign that I'm going to give the world is you. It's you, those who have felt I've been running from God. You say, What's he want to do with my life? He wants to take your name, attach it to his, and use it as a sign. That's what he wants to do. And that's what he does for all of us who've re- been redeemed, who've be- become sons and daughters. There are people in this room tonight, you're in a storm because you're running away in compromise. There's others, you're in a storm and I know God brought you here tonight because you needed to hear you're actually in opposition and you need to take a stand and resist him steadfast in the faith. And God's going to strengthen you and make you stand firm and both of us need to respond to the goodness of God.